This week, banking turmoil continues. Carvana, Lumen, Monotronics ponder restructuring. Latam claim holder seeks Supreme Court review of plan. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring the latest developments in high yield, distressed debt, and bankruptcy. I'm David Zupkis. It's Friday, March 24th. Fallout from uncertainty around regional and global banks continued this week and coincided with the Federal Open Market Committee meeting in which the Federal Reserve increased the target range for the Fed funds rate by 0.25%. During SVB Financial Group's first day hearing, the Bankruptcy Court granted SVBFG conditional authorization to spend up to $100 million to support the operations of its non-debtor venture capital and credit investment business, SVB Capital. Debtor also reported a resolution with the FDIC that allows it to access approximately $185 million in cash. The ultimate disposition of approximately $2.1 billion of cash remaining at the bridge bank established by the FDIC as successor to Silicon Valley Bank remains an open issue. During the hearing, counsel for the ad hoc group of senior note holders and for substantial debt holder Appaloosa Management signaled that they would contest the FDIC's claim to SVBFG's cash. In addition, Silicon Valley Bank's exit from the venture lending market will create significant opportunities for direct lending platforms and their arsenals of dry powder to capture additional market share, according to market participants, as private credit managers consider the risk and reward associated with the bank's $70 billion of loans to startups and early-stage venture-backed firms. Holders of Credit Suisse's AT1 notes have several litigation avenues open to them, including asserting claims against the issuer, challenging the constitutionality of FINMA's actions, relying on bilateral investment treaties, or suing the United States under federal securities laws. More than 600 participants joined a call this week with litigation firm Quinn Emanuel, sources said. The Swiss government introduced emergency legislation on Sunday, March 19th, and Article 5A of the Ordinance on Additional Liquidity allows FINMA to write down AT1 capital. The text, which was introduced only a few hours before the merger with UBS and the write-down announcement, has yet to be formally approved by Swiss lawmakers. Political discussions are set to start April 12th. Reorg initiated coverage of bank holding company Western Alliance Bank Corp. The company's subsidiary, Western Alliance Bank, entered 2023 with $29.5 billion, or 55% of its $53.6 billion total deposits uninsured, while counting technology innovation companies as its third largest customer group representing 40% of total deposits. On March 17th, in the wake of regular takeovers of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, Western Alliance said it had immediately available liquidity of over $20 billion as of March 16th. The FDIC entered into a purchase and assumption agreement for substantially all deposits and certain loan parties of Signature Bridge Bank with Flagstar Bank, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Community Bank Corp. The purchase value totals approximately $38 billion, including cash totaling approximately $25 billion and about $13 billion in loans. Included in the $25 billion of cash is $2.7 billion arising from a discounted bid to net asset value. Flagstar assumed liabilities approximating $36 billion, including deposits of roughly $34 billion and other liabilities of about $2 billion. The FDIC added that approximately $60 billion in loans will remain in Signature Bank's receivership for later dep- disposition by the FDIC. The FDIC estimates the cost of the failure of Signature Bank to its deposit insurance fund to be approximately $2.5 billion. Carvana, Legato, Lumen, Monotronics, and ATI Physical Therapy ran out this week's list of potential restructurings. Carvana announced an exchange offer for its outstanding existing unsecured notes for up to an accurate principal amount of $1 billion of new 9%-12% cash pick toggle senior secured secondly notes due 2028, including a condition that a minimum of $500 million aggregate principal amount of existing notes be validly tendered and not withdrawn in the exchange offers. 
Prices in the exchange for the existing notes range from 63% of par to 81% of par. Legato Networks is seeking to raise capital again, three months after the company secured $70 million liquidity, according to sources. The satellite communications company also highlighted that it is in discussions with its creditors, including the possibility of filing for Chapter 11 to implement a restructuring, the sources said. Reorg analyzed ATI Physical Therapy's transaction support agreement announced on March 15th that would inject $25 million of delayed draw new money second lien pick exchangeable notes, exchange $100 million of existing term loans into the same second lien pick exchangeable notes at par, and waive the company's maintenance covenants. The delayed draw new money component of the TSA would provide the company with $25 million of new money if liquidity falls below certain thresholds. As a result of the pick feature on the notes and using an illustrated maturity of 2028, the TSA parties, including Knighthead and Marathon, could own the vast majority of common equity if the second lien notes are exchanged. For access to REARC's full analysis of ATI, please reach out to REARC representative. For in-court coverage, we take a look at Puerto Rico, LTL Management, Avaya, and Latam Airlines. Judge Laura Taylor Swain issued a long-awaited decision in the PREPA lien challenge litigation in which the Permesa Oversight Board challenges a security interest in a recourse of $8.5 billion of bonds issued by the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority. Regarding the secured portion of the PREPA bondholders' claim, the court concluded that the PREPA bondholders have perfected liens only in the sinking fund established under the bonds with a balance of $16 million and related accounts over which the bond trustees established control. At the same time, the judge found that the bondholders have recourse to an unsecured net revenue claim. In reaching her decision with respect to the unsecured claim, Judge Swain rejected the argument that the sinking fund is the sole source of recovery and recourse for bondholders and instead relied on PREPA's payment and equitable relief covenants and underlying trust agreement in addition to the bondholders' rights under non-bankruptcy law. The opinion is a critical milestone in the PREPA restructuring that will substantially influence the plan recoveries in the Title III case and drive further negotiations among the parties who were ordered to re-engage in formal mediation. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit denied LTL management petition for rehearing of a landmark ruling issued by the court in January, which dismissed LTL's Chapter 11 case as a bad faith filing. The Third Circuit's order is a setback for Johnson & Johnson and other companies mulling the Texas two-step strategy of saddling an affiliate with liabilities through a divisional merger, then placing the affiliate in a Chapter 11. LTL has said that it will contest the Third Circuit's ruling by appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court. Meanwhile, the bankruptcy court has terminated formal mediation and directed the parties to prepare orders dismissing the Chapter 11 case. Judge David R. Jones confirmed Avaya's prepackaged plan at a hearing on Wednesday, March 22nd, 37 days after the communications company filed for Chapter 22. Avaya's counsel said that the prepack plan, which would reduce the company's debt to $810 million from approximately $3.4 billion, is expected to go effective in the coming weeks. The TLA claim holders in the LATAM Airlines Chapter 11 case have asked the U.S. Supreme Court to review a Second Circuit decision upholding the confirmation of LATAM's reorganization plan. The TLA claim holders seek to challenge the Second Circuit's ruling that their claims can be deemed unimpaired under the LATAM plan without payment of post-petition interest. Western Global and Shoes for Cruise hired restructuring advisors this week. Western Global Airlines and Estero, Florida-based cargo carrier has hired Wagachal, Evercore, and FTI Consulting as legal counsel and financial advisors, as it contends with tightening liquidity, pilot shortage, and operational challenges amid the slowing air cargo market. The company's bondholders are working with Ducera Partners as financial advisor with an upcoming $21 million coupon payment in August. An additional consideration is the relatively short maturity of the $400 million and 10.375% unsecured notes maturing in 2025. An ad hoc group of lenders of Shoes for Cruise, 258 million L plus 500 BIPs first lien term loan B is organized with King and Spalding, according to sources. The 
Boca Raton, Florida based provider of slip resistant footwear for various industries, including food service, retail, and industrial workers, struggled with high leverage and weak performance during the COVID 19 pandemic. Top red stories this week included litigation coverage. DBSI presses for summary judgment in Sun Edison 2L Assanese fraud suit. It says non reliance clauses protect arrangers under New York case law. Litigation coverage. Cisco files amended petition against litigation funder Burford to vacate arbitration preliminary injunction preventing settlements. Involuntary Chapter 11 filed against TV Azteca and SDNY. And now here's Kate Thomas from New York with the week ahead. Hi, this is Kate Thomas, and here are some highlights from the week ahead. Jumping in on Monday morning, the AIG Financial Products Debtor will defend its Chapter 11 filing against a motion to dismiss from a group of former executives of the AIG subsidiary. The debtor maintains that the case was filed in good faith but the former executives argue that the filing is a, quote, abuse of the bankruptcy system, unquote, and call it a tactic in the company's campaign to avoid paying them allegedly hundreds of millions of dollars that the debtor borrowed from their compensation plans during the 2008 financial crisis. Former executives sued the debtor to recover those amounts in a Connecticut state court action that has been pending since 2019. After an adjournment last week, the Endo International debtors are scheduled to be in court on Tuesday for a hearing on their amended bid procedures filed today, Friday. In addition to the amended bid procedures, the debtors also filed an amended RSA and term sheets, all reflecting the recently announced settlement that resolves objections to the 363 sale strategy. The debtors are also seeking to extend their exclusive plan filing and solicitation periods through June 12th and August 11th, respectively. Last week, Judge James Garrity granted a short-term extension of exclusivity through April 6th. Also on Tuesday, the highly anticipated hearing on summary judgment in the Serta Simmons bankruptcy case. After obtaining a stay of non-bankruptcy litigation over the 2020 exchange transaction against non-debtor parties, the debtors are seeking a judgment enforcing the, quote, plain meaning, unquote, of their 2016 credit agreement and finding the 2020 exchange transaction was permitted under the credit agreement. The debtors maintain that the claims cannot be disentangled and that resolution of all claims arising out of the 2020 transaction is essential for a successful reorganization. Tuesday will also bring the GWG Holdings debtors to court, seeking approval of their amended disclosure statement. Under the amended liquidating plan filed with the disclosure statement, all of the debtors' assets will be transferred to either a wind-down trust or a litigation trust. The most recent iterations of the plan and disclosure statement reflect the settlement reached with the official committee of bondholders and L-Bond management. However, mediation is ongoing with other parties. On Thursday, the Genesis Global debtors are seeking approval of their bid procedures in connection with the potential sale of substantially all of the Genesis platform. The proposed sale is part of the, quote, dual path, unquote, contemplated under the terms of the debtor settlement with certain creditors and parent company Digital Currency Group. In their motion to approve the bid procedures, the debtors explain the sale would be effectuated pursuant to a Chapter 11 plan and that any unsold assets would be restructured through an equitization transaction or wind-down. The debtors have not designated a stocking horse and are targeting a July 14th sale hearing. 
That's it for this week's preview. Have a great week and back to you, David. Join the REARG team on Thursday, March 30th at 12 p.m. Eastern for the webinar Cost of Chapter 11, Analyzing Advisor Fee Strategies as we analyze advisor opportunities and fee data from the past year, break down the largest deal makers of the last 12 months, and share how advisors, investors, and other industry leaders can leverage the same information on Credit Cloud to meet their unique business needs. Register now at REARG.com or email marketing at REARG.com for further information. Thank you again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. Find all our podcasts on the Reorg.com webinars and podcast page as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend. See you next Friday.